I am judging you a little bit. My traps look big in this. That's good. You do look like you have traps in that that shot. Maybe it's because I was just straight flexing them. Who knows? All right. Oh, all right. Q and A time. Q and A day. Q and A. Did we get? Uh, I guess it's one step above the T and A day, which is. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not doing that day. <laughs> what? You sicko. Teach and assist. Rose. <laughs> this is a family show. Assist. This is not a family fucking show. <laughs> Anyways, how many questions did we get to the Carol and Marge page? Uh, just a couple, and then I got a couple to mine. Um, and how many did you get? Yeah, I think like 10 ish or something like that. Yeah, all right. Let me uh put on my seatbelt before Leah listens to this and is like, Why the fuck aren't you putting on your goddamn seatbelt? This is a very unconventional episode, folks. I apologize. This is not an unconventional episode. This is this is everyday life. People need to know what goes what on, our, what our day is like. What our day is like. I'm getting out of work. I'm recording a fucking podcast. We're going to answer some questions. This is a normal day. This is, this is, this is day. I finally can breathe now that the mask is off. It's a new single. Um, I can breathe clearly now that the mask is off. It's like a Weird Al cover. Yeah, totally. Except I actually, I had to go, this morning I had to go get my COVID test because it's required to be back on campus for Damon. So uh, Oh shit, I totally forgot about that. Yep. But I have yeah, to say they that ran like a well-oiled machine, the system that they had going on. It was really oh, impressive. Yeah. And you know what I liked is they had um this system like after you went through the whole process of like getting up to getting your covid test, afterwards they give you like this goodie bag of like two Damon masks and like hand sanitizer, a thermometer, stuff like that. But then they also had these bracelets, like the rubber, like a Livestrong bracelet. Um, and there was a green one, a yellow one, and a red one. And you got to pick which one you wanted. And that's their way of having people kind of identify, like, red, I might be immunocompromised, or I'm just not comfortable, like, being, like, close to people, respect my space. And then, like, it gets less strict mm. as... The color changes, but I thought that was a really cool idea. Uh, I liked how they put labels on people. That's nice. It's 2020. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Aye, aye, aye. It is good to know that, like, you know, uh, people maybe not feel comfortable expressing how they feel and, uh, or sure. like, you know, like anything like that. And I mean, also as, as a person coming in contact with them, you could know like, okay, you know, not that you wouldn't be careful in, in during a pandemic, but you can like take extra precaution to make sure that uh, right. they're safe as well. So yeah, I think right. that's a good touch. Yeah, so I grabbed a red one. <laughs> I don't want anyone near me. <laughs> wow, so you lied. No, I actually, I have a close family member who's immunocompromised, so I don't want to mess with that. And then I've got to protect for two, so. And that is true. I mean, Jordan being allergic to you is not being immune compromised. It's not Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) 
there, there, is no right now, like... Mar- there are no allergies to Marge that, know, that are might... considered immune compromised. You might be allergic to me. I, I, this is why we've only been Zooming. Yeah, so our... Go ahead, sorry. No, you too. I was just going to say, how was uh, the rest of the week? I, I feel as though this is a good catch-up day to uh, kind of discuss how the week's been. You know, we've had a big uh, opening on the 24th that we really didn't touch on. But yeah, how has everything been, been in your been, of the woods? It's been wild for us. It's been – it was a great month. August was a fantastic month for us. Um, getting Same. everyone back. Same. It's just yeah. – it was – actually our best month to date so that was exciting but um lots of teams now are looking to get in so like yesterday i met with a dad who coaches three different baseball teams and he wants to start doing team training and i had another dad call me today who coaches a baseball team and like we started another baseball team yesterday a basketball team today so like teams are coming out of the woodwork which is is fantastic so i can't complain about that i mean that. it just it makes you think it makes you kind of think like what were they doing the rest of the time right like what i mean what made this pandemic just be like okay we're out of shape we need help or right is it like we did we not just have direction we were just making it by were we too busy like that kind of to me is like i feel as though that's happened a lot with a lot of people right like mm-hmm. and not just in teams but just people in general it's like oh shit like maybe i really wasn't fucking doing anything right well i think in our case too with the teams a lot of them are at that 13 14 year old age where they're just starting to want to get into the weight room anyways and the coaches want to catch it before the athletes get in and start to be you know jackasses in the weight room and hurt themselves um yeah so like every teenage and college boy pretty much pretty much yeah so more not saying girls don't go into the weight room when they're teenage and in in college but you're right but the tendency for for the the guys to get in there and want to just you know hit the beach muscles um buys and chest buys and chest and abs Oh yeah, I got to throw some abs in there a little gotta bit. Got to throw the abs in there. Some weighted crunches or some like tricep rope, uh, cable pulley, you know, pull down crunches, <laughs> or they like to do their ball slam Russian twists. Um, they'll hit like every variation of a bicep curl. Oh yeah, I've seen it all, but seen it. I seen it. I seen it, but it was good to get back into your place finally um oh I, I back to see you doing the uh doing the thing uh doing the thing. Staying, active, staying active being healthy doing the thing yeah i mean i was a little sore but that was to be expected um but i definitely want to now that i'm in my second trimester especially my energy's better i want to you know, be better about consistency in the weight room. Absolutely. I mean, when you so. were out benching your husband the other day, I mean, <laughs> I expect you to be sore too. <laughs> I was not. <laughs> Just kidding, Jordan. Sorry. You're well, on the eye you, for pec movements. When poor Jordan was getting ready to bench and you're like, 
don't let Maggie out bench you. Jordan looks at me and he goes, you don't bench that much. I'm like, that's the joke. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That, that, thank you, Jordan. <laughs> Thanks for breaking me down like Michael Scott would. <laughs> but, but yeah, your place is, is awesome. So. Thanks. Definitely. Thanks. It's uh, actually we just today we got uh, our Chicago order in, so we got another functional trainer in. We got another GHD, uh, and we got uh, what the fuck else did we get? Oh, another plate storage unit and a bar holder. So sweet. Yeah, it's turned out really nice. So it's coming together, coming together little by little. And I told myself in a year I want it to look like how I want it to look like. Yeah. Um, so I'm not putting like a, a short timeline on it. I think a year between everything else, um, you know, with the renovations and moving everything around because I'm neurotic and want everything in a certain place. Yep. Uh, you want to flow to the facility and yeah. Yeah. Cause it needs to make sense. It needs to work. You know, people need to, well, you know, I will say, you know, as, uh, and you weren't, no, I would say maybe you were there on some of the busy, busy times, but, um, like people have been, I, I, I hope your facility is the same too, unless you're, you know, people come behind them. But like um, my members have been awesome. Like they have yeah. respected everything that we've asked, like between the cleaning up after themselves, um, checking in every time and uh, wearing the masks appropriately. Um, you know, they, they have done, they have done a great job. And like, we've had to do very, very minimal pick up work behind them like they've yeah really done a good job and um it, it's nice ours have too which has been very helpful because the last thing you want to do especially after a long day is like clean up everyone else's shit <laughs> so yeah. the fact well, that i'm hoping yeah. this will instill some really good habits in general for people who go to the gym where now they know like just clean up after yourself and that yeah. sticks moving forward yeah. So, I mean, we didn't really have that big of a problem to begin with um, yeah. because our staff runs a pretty tight ship on that end. But, but still, it's nice to see people, you know, really conscious of wiping down equipment. Yeah. Um, our kids are all wearing their masks. Our adults are all wearing their masks. So, yeah, it's been good. Yeah, it's, been, it's been really nice. And, and, you know, even though the Erie County numbers have been going up slightly, like, uh, I, I personally don't think it's from the gyms at all. Like I, I don't think, think so either. Um, you know, just seeing how a lot of the other gyms have been running, like we want to be open. So we're doing everything we can to yeah. do, um, to stay open. You know, there's yeah. obviously a couple knuckleheads out there that, you know, have not been doing their part um, but and completely posting about caught. it. But for the majority, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, the majority have been doing a really good job and it's just really shitty to see that the rest of the county is not doing their part or at least like parts of the county are not doing their part. And it's really um, unfortunate because, you know, we're the first ones at risk. Yep. Um, yeah. Because they'll be like, Oh, this all started to happen. Once gyms reopen, shut them back yeah. down. Yeah. You know, I wish they could think logically and, you know, understand that, Oh shoot, you have nine universities and colleges in your County and you influxed on average 10 to 20,000 kids uh, to these college campuses. And, you know, not for nothing, but that definitely is uh, <laughs> not our fault. Not our no. fault at all. Um, but to each their own. It, exactly. But, 
gyms are doing a good job. Gyms are staying clean. Gyms are staying safe. And you know, the, I'll be honest, the mass sucks. Like it, it sucks. The shield sucks. Everything about it. I mean, it's sucks, not ideal. That's yeah. But it, it, no, it no, is what no. it is. Yeah. And that's kind of the, uh, the point of it. Like as much as it just sucks, like you just had to like, this is what it is. Like yep. you can't do anything about it to change it. And I think yep. people um, are realizing that it's like, this isn't me. Like I'm not the one forcing this. I'm just the one reinforcing the rules. Right. Yeah, yeah I agree. All right. All right. Well, our first, some questions. Our first, our first question <laughs> came from Dave. Um, oh, so I can, I'm sure you can imagine. We pretty much just answered it. It was just what's up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Smart ass. Uh, that is what's up. <laughs> that is what's up. Uh, but moving into some other ones. Um, a friend of mine down on Long Island asked us, uh, my friend Dom, what working with remote athletes is like, pros and cons. All right. Uh, do you guys do a lot of remote stuff now? We don't do a ton. Um, some of our college I know kids during will. during COVID you did. Yeah, but I definitely think that's more on your end. Um, yeah. A lot of our stuff is, is pretty in person. Um, no. So I'll let you you know, touch on the remote athletes aspect. Um, I will say the athlete gets what the athlete puts into the remote coaching aspect of it. So an example, I, sorry, Max, but I was a terrible remote athlete. Like I, I was, uh, 100% terrible. Um, I'll be honest. And it was legitimately Max would send me the program each week, each day. So it would come out, uh, I think it was called FitBot. And I would get my program for the week, but then each day would be emailed to me. So it's like a notification, like you have to do it this day. You're supposed to po uh, record every set of everything, uh, submit it on the FitBot and put in the weights. I did none of that ever. Like I just posted a video to Instagram and tagged him in a top set video. And like, if I ever had a question, I just texted him and be like, Hey, like what's this? Or did I do this well or whatever? So I was a terrible remote athlete. Now asterisk next to that. I also was very self-aware of what I was doing and where I needed to go, what jumps are, you know, that's my job as a coach. Like I just wanted someone to keep me, Accountable, accountable give me something yeah found give me something to follow um so i actually you know i guess uh, you get what you put into it and for me i needed what i put into it like it wasn't something that i was ever complaining about it i never um you know went to max like oh dude like i need more from you like why aren't you helping me at all any of that so i never wanted any of that stuff like i knew what i was doing i knew you know, what I needed to do, what jumps were appropriate. You know, if I ever had like a, I needed a third party, um, you know, um, someone who wasn't in the gym watching it to look at it and, and, you know, gain a perspective on it. That's when I would ask him like, what's the next jump? Like, what should I do? Like, is this good? Should I go up? Um, and then that was very rare, rare, mostly during peaking and triples. Um, but it, I didn't, need him to be there every single time critiquing every lift. Like that's something I can do on my own. Mm -hmm. um, 
so I guess it really depends on the athlete. You know, like I didn't mind paying what I paid for remote coaching because I valued what I got out of it. And I guess right. like at the end of the day, if you're valuing what you put into that, it's going to work out really good. Now, there are some athletes who probably shouldn't do remote coaching. Like they need a lot of hands-on instruction. Like um, I actually have two clients that follow my remote coaching, send me videos for everything, but they work with a person in-house and they just follow the program with me. So they're an extra set of eyes. I don't care about that at all. You know, if they're giving you the right cues, which we talk about, and, you know, they're, they're there kind of reinforcing the same things I would be reinforcing, um, that's a great way of going about it for that specific person. Because those specific people are going to struggle immensely by just having programming and communication with me, whether it's via text or analysis or uh, a FaceTime call or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, and then, and then there's the people that just need the video feedback that are very, um, wh what would you say? Not, not visual, but what's the, what you learn from reading? Um, not kinesthetic. You're an observer. Observe. Yeah. Like you observe. Like a, yeah. Or, I, I don't know what the, pro is that the like term for it? Kinesthetic is you have to like feel the movement to learn it. Yeah. And then physical is watching it or is that? Kinesthetic is kind of similar, yeah, similar to kind of physical and kinesthetic can go hand in hand. Visual is watching someone else yeah. do the movement, like demo it. Yeah. Um, but I would say, yeah, I don't know no. what the appropriate term. Sorry to all our education friends. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know either. But whatever that person is that go responds really well from reading, and then mm -hmm. once they do it well, and then reinforcing that kind of like a combination of uh, you learn better from reading articles or reading things. And Pavlov's dogs, like classical conditioning, like reinforcing, like when you do it right, like someone telling you, you did that right, like keep doing that again. Um, right. So uh, again, like remote coaching is as much as you put into it as an athlete, you know, as much as you need, right? Like if you are getting pissed because we're not giving you anything and you're only giving us one video and one snippet of the entire workout, there, there's not much that we can help you with. Now, sure. I have some athletes that, only send me that because they're very like myself. They are very successful uh, in knowing their body awareness. Like they can put a mind to muscle. They can like remember, Oh shit. Like that one rep was really terrible. Like, you know, uh, I can remember that on my own and I can remember why that was so terrible. I feel like I was kind of like that with you. Cause I, yeah. I would consider our training kind of hybrid remote slash in person. Cause most of it was remote. Um, Cause I was just doing it at yeah. work. Um, but then like, I would get that reinforcement, you know, when I would work with you weekly. Absolutely. And, and, you know, like, um, like Brit or like Isaiah, like those guys, like send me a top set video, very mm -hmm. rarely a down set, unless it was something spectacular or something really shitty. Um, they would send it to me and like, that would, um, you know, they would like be like, Oh, Hey, like this felt really good. And like, it looked really good. Best this has ever moved. Uh, if it was like more of a down set, but mostly top set stuff because that's where they need the most help. Like they yeah. can just do down set work. Like it's a no brainer. Like, you know, they're very mature lifters in that sense. So, um, and, and there's some people like Rachel and Hillary who literally send me everything, even the accessory work half the time. And, you know, they just need that, like, Oh, that was really good. Or, you know, the kind of communication we have is if it's something that I needed to address, I would say something, but if I thought it was good, I wouldn't say anything. 
Um, sure. And, you know, the, there's different people for different things. And I think that remote coaching is the future. But again, like the, you could either do real time session, kind of like zoom sessions um, or, you know, just do the typical like remote coaching programming type type deal. Um, yeah. Because I think, uh, I think, you know, this pandemic has really shown people that you can do it on your own. You're mm -hmm. when you're forced to do it on your own, you can do it on your own. And, you know, I think re bringing in home gyms and setups, I think coaching will thrive in the future. I think coaching, you know, people seeking out individual coaches for things. I actually just had this conversation this morning. I think that people will soon lose the gym aspect, but find that at home lifting with a personal coach um, is going to be the future of like fitness, I guess, in like the sport world. Yeah. And I think, you know, as it does grow for people considering personal coaching, I think you just have to look at what your own needs are. Like kind of do a self-assessment. Like, yeah. why do you want a coach? Like, do you want them for the accountability? Do you want them for like guidance constantly? Like you kind of have to figure out what exactly it is that you need and your own skill set, um, yeah. so that you can have that open conversation with your coach and you guys are both on the same page because then it'll be a successful coach athlete relationship i mean if you Absolutely. go into it needing more than that accountability but you don't tell your coach that you can't expect them to just read your mind you know yeah. so it might create some tension in that um that relationship but just you know figuring out exactly what it is you want and then um being honest with with the coach Absolutely. I, I, I totally agree. And I think that, you know, the more of the Zoom style stuff is going to start popping up is really popular. There's probably going to be someone that monopolizes that um, and makes it more fitness oriented, you know, gives you um, like some sort of extra feedback. Like there'll, there'll be something that gets created during all this that sure. I think a lot of people are going to use. But, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I personally, if you're talking about also what I like best, I'll always prefer in person. I mean, in person is just, you can make such a strong connection with an athlete in person. Um, but at the end of the day, like I also, I guess my athletes do get the personal connection remotely because we'll do convert, we'll do Skype calls. We'll do uh, phone calls if we need to check in, like we're constantly, you know, getting to know each other, especially every client typically does a, um, either a standardized questionnaire or they do like a FaceTime meeting with me at first. So they get that kind of face-to-face -face interaction, but usually everyone local, I'll always try to at least meet in person uh, for a couple of sessions first, just so I can uh, get to know them a little bit more and just get to know how they learn better. Sure. I agree. Right. Um, what do you have? What, how, what's one of your questions? Oh man, let me look. I know one off the top of my head. Uh, but I'd rather save that for, for lighthearted type stuff. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, um, yeah, maybe uh, we can keep it good within ones. the training coaching section first. Peggy, yeah. Peggy off, uh, asked a question of, do you believe in limits? Um, limits with proper, uh, she means limits more with proper training and progression. So like, do I, I think the question is, do we believe that, people have a capacity when doing things correctly, not injured. Uh, and, um, and, uh, you know, following a good program. Uh, I would say, 
Uh, I would say probably yes, uh, yeah. if I can be honest. I, you know, there's also the factor that I think people forget is genetics. Like, there's only so far you can go at a certain body weight. And yeah. there's very few people that can be in the top 0.1%, um, you know, point, to 0.01 to 0.1%. Um, you know, you, you don't, but also you don't know that until you keep training and competing and training and competing and training and competing. Like that takes right. a year, right? Like you think about a guy like John Hack, he's been competing since fuck, um, I think 16 or something like that. 16 or 17. Right. And <laughs> decades. right. Like he's now just turned like 27 or 28 and maybe even younger than that. But he's like going for world record totals, like ever, like ever, ever, ever. And he clear he said once before on a podcast that his genetics clearly he's got good strength genetics because things are just happening and working, and he's following a good program and he stays healthy. Um, you know, the, I think that that is a factor. Um, also, I think you know you can probably answer this too, but I think what you're predisposed to, what was your bringing upbringing. Did you play sports when you were younger? Did you lift weights? Were you active? Um, I think a lot of that also plays a big factor in um, how you respond to training as well. Yeah. I think that um, everyone has a limit. I think it's more so the timeline of how long it takes you to hit that limit. Um, You know, so like some people like, and how high is your limit? Like you said, some people are genetically, gifted and it just they can continue to build and to build and to build and some other people who may not necessarily have been exposed to athletics or to training in the past their limit may not be as high however it could still take them a long time to get there so it it because they're learning everything so um i think that it's so subjective um limits for people, I think daily limits are definitely a thing on our end um, in sport performance. Um, I mean, and you can probably agree with powerlifting. Like sometimes people just hit their limit energy-wise. Like they had a shitty week, they had a shitty shitty day. Like you just you tell. I mean, <laughs> I've been told it many times. Just shut it down. Um, or you know, I see our athletes want to continue to like we use a five rep max for our our heavy days they want to continue to see how heavy they can go and how heavy they can go and you know form starts to bend a little bit and it's like you know what it's not worth it we'll see you again like we'll hit this again in a couple weeks shut it down like you may not have hit your absolute limit at that point but a training limit for that day I think is totally fine um, yeah. I know that obviously in powerlifting, it's much different because you're testing those limits on, to a greater extent. Um, yeah. But I, I think it's still similar. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, it, we always, in an ideal world, you leave a couple left in the tank and it's a PR, right? Like, yeah. <clears throat> that's like a complete ideal world for, for most people in training. It yeah. took... Me personally, and I don't think I have the greatest genetics. I think I have good genetics for sure. Like I think uh, my family's health history, not great. But if you talk about like my strength genetics and my, you know, anatomical build, I think I have great genetics for a sport like this. Yeah. Um, and it took me 
not missing lifts until after my third meet. So going from my third to sixth meet, like that's when training just was easy. Like you just knew your numbers, you knew what you wanted to hit. You knew that I have all of this maturity. I knew how that felt the last time. I knew that I can do this again based on how yeah. strong I got. And you're, you're just consistently always playing with numbers. So I think, um, I, I, I think, yeah, uh, it, it's, it's definitely a thing, but also I think there's a lot of other factors. That's an interesting point that you bring up though, about like when people first start something like powerlifting, the numbers are constantly going up, right? Like it's, it's a quick climb and it's, yeah. it's exciting to see like things are moving, things are moving. And then it starts to, that build starts to slow. And so I think we become more aware of our limits at that point. Um, they become yeah. more real um, because, you know, now we may start to fail a lift or, you know, sets aren't going to feel as great. And yeah. um, I think that's where the mental game starts to come into play um, of either pushing through it or knowing when it's okay to, to walk away. Absolutely. And I think, uh, I think that that's true in a lot of instances, but it also breaks people too. I think that's where people's yes. breaking points are. Like that's yeah. where they're like, mm, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. Or it's not, that, it's not fun anymore. Yeah. Or that on the flip side of that, that's also where I think people are most likely to find a coach. Yes. Like where that wall is hit. And our job is to break through that wall and keep escalating. And there's also the segue into the genetics piece. If your numbers keep progressing year after year, after year, after year, you kind of have an idea that you have good genetics. Sure. I mean, if you can keep climbing at the same rate, if not just within like, you know, uh, um, uh, a one to 2% variance, I think you're doing pretty good in, in where you are. And then you look at where you stack up everywhere else. I think you can clearly see that you have good genetics for this. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like yeah. that question. That was a good one. Peggy. Good Thanks one. for that. Yeah. You got. Um, uh, yeah. I have another training one. So um, this is from, do you know Eric Madia? He, oh uh, yeah, yeah. I thought it was Medea, but it might be Medea. I might be saying it wrong. Eric, I'm saying it wrong. I'm sorry. But um, he actually paid us a nice compliment that he's really been enjoying what we're doing. So thank you for that. Um, Appreciate it. But he asked, how important is programming mobility slash recovery for you? Is it dependent on the cycle or block? Um, I think that, well, I could answer this personally and then also from a coaching perspective. Um, I know that for me personally, um, as I've gotten older, mobility and recovery has become more important um, just because I don't bounce back like I used to. Um, but kind of tying into that, when I'm working with my athletes, I put an emphasis on mobility and recovery to avoid ending up like I am. Um, like for my throwers every morning at practice, they grab a foam roller and that's how we start. Um, they have a corrective series that they do. Um, same with our athletes at the gym, you know, depending on what we see in their movement assessment, if there are mobility issues, um, we'll address those in their, their corrective work at the beginning. Um, more so not as a rehab, but as a prehab. Um, I don't like to use the term injury prevention 
because injuries are going to happen. Um, and if you say that you can prevent all injuries, then you're a liar. Um, but I would maybe say injury mitigation, um, you know, just keeping them as healthy as possible. Um, and then on the recovery side, I kind of just pay attention to how the athlete's doing. And this is something that I've been thinking about a lot as we're entering our preseason for track, um, because that starts in a couple weeks, you know, with college athletes, recovery is really hard. Um, like we've talked about this in other episodes, you know, they've got exams going on, they have work, they have homework, they have group projects. And then on top of that, they've got the weight room, they've got practice, they've got competition. So it's all of these things and recovery sometimes gets put on the, the back burner. So I want to, as a coach, um, really start to evaluate how my athletes are recovering um, more. I think, you know, I kind of am a coach that tends to be like, oh, you're fine. <laughs> I mean, to a degree, like I obviously I understand if stuff's going on, but I, I want to sure. be a bit more empathetic in a sense so that I can read how they're feeling and, you know, maybe we do a different series of drills that day because clearly the other ones aren't going to work. You know, I don't want to yeah. try and fit a square peg into a, a round hole because they're, there's no point. They're going to shut down. Their drills are going to shut down. Like it's not worth it. So um, I've been researching how to do that a little bit. Um, there's a throwing coach that I'm, friends with uh Chuck Inferna who has an ebook out on um the the mental side of coaching with throwers and I want to you know take a look at that and kind of see see what his thoughts are but um yeah for our kids at the gym it's RPE it's you know how'd you sleep last night what do you have going on at, at school did you eat today like it's not really dependent on necessarily what block of their training they're in, um, in terms of recovery, it's more of a day to day because yeah. with teenagers, you never know. Um, so mobility is consistent. Recovery is more subjective to the situation. For sure. Yeah. I agree with a lot of that. And I think it's, you know, I, I noticed it a lot in internships with athletes, you know, how they're so programmed to start with the prehab work, start with tissue work, then go into a dynamic warm up, and then go into their lift. You know, it's like you don't, the average adult does not think about that. They do a quick, right. like, touch my knee stretch, maybe a quick foam roll on the back, a quick, uh, I'll go on a treadmill or elliptical or bike, and then they call it a day. Or they just don't even fucking do that. Yeah. They go to the bathroom, take a piss, come back, they lift. Like, that, that's, how most adults, I should say athletes and adults, uh, are treating it. Um, I guess, like, I have a slightly different stance only because I think the sports are slightly different. So sure. the, the mobility is slightly different in that sense. But, yeah. you know, my biggest thing is we harp on it a lot more when it ruins positions or it's causing pain. Yeah. Like if there, if you don't have a, if you have a flat back when you, when you bench, 
Do you need a large arch? Absolutely not. Like there's no rule saying you need a big arch to bench really well. However, if that is causing pain or if that position isn't as strong as, um, you know, it could be with an arch or, and, you know, we would not analyze that by, you know, what's the bar path like? Is your back staying tight? Are you getting a good enough pop off the chest? Is your positioning good? Are you hitting the right spot? You know, those are the kind of things we would be able to tell. And if we know as a coach that that's not the right position you need to be in, that's when we make a, a major adjustment, you know, just to yep. make adjustments, to make adjustments or do focus on something that you normally don't do because you need to focus on it just because, you know, someone's telling you to, um, isn't necessarily the best option. I think Matt said it once, like people just come in to stretch, to stretch and they don't stretch for intent. Yeah. And that actually is, he doesn't say counterproductive, but you're not doing anything different in a stimulus. Yeah. Um, so I think that there's two different trains of thought there. And I think at the end of the day, if you can't do your sport or your job well in the current positions that you're in, I don't think, I think that's when you start focusing on that more because everything else is going to be counterproductive. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes total sense. And I like that Matt said that, you know, if you're not doing it with intent, you know, kind of what's the point because everything else that you're doing in the gym you're doing hopefully with intent. So why wouldn't sure. you put that same intent into a proper warm up? And I'm sure Matt and Brian are both listening to this and like jumping up and down, but also cussing us <laughs> out because we're right. both the worst with it. But, yeah. um, but you know, it's definitely an important piece. Um, and like you said, I agree. I think it's just really based on the situation. Absolutely. So, okay, this is totally off track, but I have been eating a lot of Sour Patch Kids, and my freaking uh, husband stole the bag, and I can hear it. <laughs> uh, There's going to be a death think, at the Fuentes house. <laughs> your, your pregnancy uh, senses are, are, are beeping. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, funny. what's the next question that you have? Let's do let's do each a lighthearted one. Was there a cool. lighthearted one on your end? Yes, I have a lighthearted one on here. All right, you go first. Okay, I'm sure you can guess who sent this one in. Um, how much do you love your significant others, and how amazing are they? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! So that she was sent it to me too. <laughs> really? Oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was sent by Leah, Carly's lovely girlfriend. Um, and I actually, I like that she submitted this question because I think for, in terms of like both of us, the, you know, the demands of our career, we're very fortunate to have significant others that are as patient and understanding and supportive, um, Absolutely. as they are. I think that you know, our schedules are by no means a standard schedule. It's not a nine to five. It's not a Monday through Friday clock in clock out type of situation. And I'm sure in a relationship that can be really straining and really frustrating for the partner on the opposite side of that. Um, so it's really great to have someone in your corner that is supportive and, you know, gets excited about, you know, the business as much as you do. And, um, you know, really backs you on that. And so 
They yeah. are amazing. I would they definitely are. agree with that. Absolutely. I mean, it's, um, yeah, like we, we do a lot of work and then we're, I wouldn't say we're grumpy, but we don't want to talk. And, yeah. you know, we're, we're pains in the asses when we're kind of working a lot and, uh, you know, and slightly selfish, but also needed to be selfish and, and to make things work a little bit but they understand where we're coming from and they support us a hundred percent and they, you know, and then we also have to give back to them when we can. And yes. I think we do a, a good job of that and reinforcing that we appreciate everything that they're doing for us because yes, yeah. you know, it, it's almost like, you know, until a certain point, they kind of like you live two separate lives and then, you know, you just kind of like have this like, you come back together type deal. It's like, all right, busy, busy, busy. And then it's like, Oh shit. I feel like I haven't seen you in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, it's, it's definitely, we've got good ones. Yeah. <laughs> and we <laughs> joke that they're, they're very similar and we're very similar, but I think that that's what so makes true. it work is it's such a, a good balance. So absolutely. Yeah. All right. What's all your right. lighthearted one? I'm nervous. All right. Oh God. This is directed to me, but you're involved. Oh God. From from Rachel. Uh oh. What would you name Maggie's baby if we're if you were given the power? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wow, that's, we do- that's the best question. <laughs> boy and girl or just boy or just girl? Why don't we do boy girl? And then, like, a gender-neutral name. Okay. Oh, God. Um, wow, no right. pressure. Yeah, right? What, you know what I'm nervous about? Like, what if you say a name, and, like, in my head, I was thinking about that name already, <laughs> and then you say it, it's like, well, shit, now I can't use that name, because Carly oh, said shit. it. Oh, <laughs> uh, Oh, damn, this is a lot of... This is a, I, I need, like, a clue. I feel like I need a clue of like a what clue? you're thinking about. Yeah, like no. that's the uh, thing. We're keeping the name top secret. Like, are you more of like a like a Ara at the end of a name, or like a Lee, or like a N? <laughs> I don't know, Carly. <laughs> oh man! All right, girl name. I'll just say Isabella. Okay. Why? It's like slightly sounding Hispanic. Except for it's Italian, but yeah. Yeah, right. I don't know. I just picked one. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Izzy would be like a great like That's nickname. That's a cute nickname. And like they could be throwers. Who knows? All right. So we have uh, the girl uh, name. Guy name. Oh, God. It can't be FF, can't be M, and can't be J. I mean, it could be, but I feel like you guys wouldn't do that. Like, that's not your thing. Interesting. For some reason, I want to pick a P name. Oh, boy. Not Pedro. <laughs> uh, Patrick? 
that was supposed to be if I was a boy, my parents were gonna name me Patrick. Really? Yep. Yeah, I I mean Patrick is like coming to my head. I wanna say it's a good Irish Pritcher, name. Pritcher, but I feel like that's not a name. Pritcher. No, Pritcher. Like P R I C H E R. Yeah, that's what I said. Pritcher? Yeah, or Piper. I don't fucking know. Oh boy. Yeah, this is why um, you're you're not given that power to name my kid. Yeah. All right. Gender neutral name. I already picked this one out. Aaron. Yeah. No, uh, I like so that. Yeah. That was that was a good one. Oh man, that was that was tough. That was really tough. That was funny. Yeah, don't use those names. I'm not naming I, my kid those names. I hadn't planned on it, so we're safe. All right. All right. So you have one more question to close it out. Uh, yeah. Let's okay. Another one. Oh, man. We could honestly do a whole nother week. Of Q&As. Uh, of Q&As. Like, I have a lot more questions. I um, mean, we could do another Q&A. We could do a part two. Yeah, I think we might, because there's a lot of these, honestly. Sure. Uh, this was also from Dave, but a very funny question because I always get made fun of for my music choices. Um, do you make people train to emo music so that when they put on good music, they lift heavier? Yes. The answer is yes. I, I think that is a yes. Yeah. That's, that's the, actual, yes that's me, the secret to coaching. Yeah. Yeah. It's playing shitty music for your clients. So that way yep. they can PR on the platform when they listen to ACDC. Yep. That's all my teenagers give me shit for listening to emo, but you know what? When they have their headphones on game time, they do way better. Yeah. So, you know, it has nothing to do with the training. It's just the music. Exactly. And it's so fucked up. I used to like make fun of my parents so much because all they do is listen to music they did in high two in high school. We've and it's like, I, it's like never wanted to be that person. And I am 1000% that person. Same. Yeah. Same. Fuck. That's uh, funny. Yeah. Yeah. You turn into your parents as much as you don't want to. It's very true. Yeah. But I liked doing the Q&A. I think we should do a part two. Yeah, there is definitely a part two because I have like a bunch of other training questions that we can answer and awesome. uh, get to. So, yeah, I think that's good. Cool. Well, right. Carol, enjoy the rest of your evening. Thanks. <laughs> thank you guys for listening and thank you for your questions. If you have any other ones, just send them our way. We'd be happy to, to answer them. Yeah, absolutely. See ya. See ya.